Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. My first guest today is a best-selling author, speaker, and leadership expert with one amazing story to tell. He's got a lot more, but one in particular stands out. Listen, he was the passenger on that plane that landed on the Hudson River in New York City one cold day in January, about 11 years ago. In fact, that story of survival shifted his mindset to help and help others overcome challenges and obstacles. During his speeches, he focuses on topics like survivor guilt, personal development, teamwork, and empowerment. And as you can tell from the conversation that we have, without a question, this is very helpful right now to recognize in this trying, chaotic times. Dave Sanderson is the president of Dave Sanderson Speaks International, and he is a very good friend of mine. We always have deep conversation. I kind of consider him a soul brother. Dave, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Jeffrey, thank you for having me today. I'm excited to be with you. You know, you 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 wrote a book called Moment Matters. Well, right now, all Black Lives Matter. It's moments matter. We're seeing it all over the place. You know, people are feeling guilty because some of their biz- some people's businesses are doing really well during this pandemic. Others aren't. You know, so some people are feeling a little angst against other people. There's a lot of this going on. I mean, what advice do you have for people right now? Well, well, thanks. I agree. I mean, I I'm sort of a bit liking this to what happened in the what happened to me on the plane because what happened to me on the plane was like a sprint what's happening right now is more like a marathon but there are likenesses and i think right now the people that i'm speaking to are i'm trying to help them understand what the meaning they're attaching to this is producing these emotions that they're having so if i can help them maybe change or alter the way the meanings are attaching hopefully they'll get emotions that are empowering instead of disempowering you know, I, and I even think about your story because I've read it. I've read the book a couple of times and motivating. And then, of course, you and I have sat down a couple of times live on the stage. And we've actually talked about Moments Matter. And just they're all it's always touching everyone. It moves us so many, so many people. You were one of two people that were hospitalized. I mean, because uh, you got uh, you got what, what do they call it? Hypothermia. You, you know, you got really wet January, cold Hudson, big, r- huge river. And uh, you got taken to the hospital. I mean, did you ever feel like, did you ever feel like the angst of like, why did I have to go to the hospital? All these other people. I mean, in fact, some people got back on the plane within an hour or two of getting rescued off the ferry and and flew home. Wow. Now, I, I felt grateful that Canley, I got to, I mean, I was in the hospital and someone was taking care of me because I was all by myself, as you know. I was all by myself. I had no one with me. I had no family. I had no friends. Yeah. So what that came that was associated to me is at least I've got some friends or somebody's going to take care of me, and at least mm-hmm. for that time period. Because I, as you know, I had a couple of times where it was touch and go for me, um, whether it's yeah. on the ferry or in the triage center, where things were going sideways a little bit. And candidly, I didn't know Jeffrey until much later on than how close I was when I was in the hospital and they were yelling numbers out that I didn't even know what the numbers meant. And I found yeah. out what the numbers meant weren't very good. So no, I, you know, I, I never felt that way. I was just felt grateful that I had the opportunity that someone was taking care of me and people in New, New Jersey take care of their people. And I was very blessed to be there. 
Well, think about all those those first responders right. and those healthcare workers right now that are doing what they have to do in the pandemic. You know, thank God they're taking care of people because right now, I mean, you think about it, just like you are alone, all these people who go in for COVID are alone because their families can't go visit them. Had a friend of mine had to go to the hospital yesterday. He's going to be in the hospital for two weeks. His wife can't go, can't go, you know. And unless the nurse is updated, she can't talk to him, doesn't have a phone, doesn't have any of that stuff. I mean, it's amazing. So you, you think about it. Uh, let's go back to that day. You know, you were submerged in, you know, waist deep water in the plane because you were also trying to make sure everybody else got off along with Sully. I know that. Um, of course, the movie says certain things. I mean, it was a lot different. I'm, I'm very sure. But, you know, you, you're in that cold water for that long and then they finally take you off. I And you said touch and go. I mean, they actually put a toe tag on you, as I recall. Yeah, that's correct. Right around my ankle. And that was the moment I really didn't think I was here. I, I, I like it, as you know, to the movie Ghost, where you're just watching yourself sort of fade away. And of course, when you're in that state, right, you got, you're hallucinating. You, I mean, you're, you're in and out. You don't really know what's going on. So, you know, between that time and also on that ferry, when I was so cold, I couldn't even, I couldn't even feel anything. I, um, I, I use the word touch and go because Canley, you know, when you're, when you're going down, and you don't have anybody around you who you know can trust, your mind starts playing games with you. So I am, I am so blessed that I have people who took care of me that day, just like they're taking care of people right now. Um, these nurses and first responders are amazing people because they're, they're helping people they would never known. And all of a sudden, these people have someone who cares, and they're in isolation. Well, and what I also like about the experience that we go through when there's crisis, there's opportunities. When, right. when you go through, you know, catastrophic Issues. I mean, it might, might be cancer. It might be this pandemic. It might be a failure of your business. It might be the breakup of your marriage. It might be the death of a child. It might be all those things. It's it's so great to see people like yourself who are motivators, inspirers, who then take that adversity and then turn it into something positive. How does that make you feel when when you do that? Well, I I came out of it with a lot of gratitude. You know, I. I a lot of us maybe shouldn't even be here today, but we were given a different chance. So I, I always believe my parents taught me it's about giving back. It's about making sure you take care of the people who have taken care of you. And so that's why I immediately went out and started trying to help the American Red Cross because they were there on the shore that day waiting for me and helped carry me to that triage center. And so, you know, right now, I'm, I, the people I'm talking to, I'm, I know the people that you're talking to, we're help, telling people, go out and support these people. See if, whatever you can do to help them because – they're in tough situations likewise. Not only are they helping other people, as we know, but they got their lives they got to deal with. And then the things that they're personally facing likewise, just like anything like what the Red Cross does with the hurricanes and disasters, and especially right now with platelets and blood. So I, um, mm-hmm. I, I, it all starts with me with gratitude and just being thankful for what uh, someone else did for me. Well, I am grateful and I'm also grateful um, in, a, in a commercial way for my advertisers. Let me take a quick break and I'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey everyone, we're back on the live cast right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as we're bringing you all business with Jeffrey Hazel right here on C-Suite Radio. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for being, um, you know, a downloader of the podcast. I thank so much for everyone. I'm very grateful for you uh, today. And this is a good word for us, being grateful. I'm with Dave Sanderson, the president of Dave Sanderson Speaks International. He was the last civilian off the the U.S. Air uh, Airways uh, flight that landed in the Hudson about 11 years ago, uh, last January. It was 11 years ago, right, Dave? That's correct. 
Yeah, I, I remember because I was with you at the 10th anniversary. Um, you threw a big event with the Red Cross and the Rotary Club, actually, a very big Rotary Club in New Jersey. And uh, I went over for the banquet. It was a wonderful evening. Got to meet some wonderful people and got to meet those first responders you talked about. Right. Uh, well, that did it. Does, um, when you think about this, uh, I mean, what, what goes through your mind? You know, sometimes that life, you know, throws us some curveballs. Can we learn to hit those curveballs? Yeah, most definitely. It's, I mean, as we know, as a, if you're an entrepreneur or a business person, curveballs are coming constantly, especially right now. So, yeah. you know, I, I believe it all comes down to the mindset we have, right? And one of the things that I'm talking about in my new book is about, you know, what my mentor taught me is to always have an optimistic perspective. And I think yeah. if you're going to be able, all the curves that are coming right now, I mean, you could get down pretty quickly. And a lot of people are, and that's, that's part of the challenge right now. But yeah. if you start out with all, focusing on always having an optimistic perspective and focusing on what's good instead of what could be bad, I think that, that helps people tremendously right now, especially during the times we're going through. Have you always had that mindset where, you know, you were the last civilian off? You, you're the, I'm that way, and I think you're that way, Dave, where you, you just waited. Everybody else got off. Can I help everybody else get off? Is everybody here? You're checking every aisle, checking every seat. I know that's what you did because you, when you wrote about it, you told me about it and I can just see that you're kind of, kind of, are you've always been that kind of guy? Yeah, I think I have been. I mean, I was, I was brought up in a small town in Southwest Ohio where everybody took care of everybody. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, and I ran probably like you did when I was a young kid, I had four or five guys that we hung with. And yeah. Never left. The thing was, we never left anybody behind. That was our thing. We always had each other's mm -hmm. back. So I really think it started when I was a young, young guy in Southwest Ohio and just always looking after people who were looking after me. Yeah. Like the other day I was in my neighborhood and I smelled smoke really bad. And I was like, man, this isn't right. And there was smoke coming. So I drove down the road in my truck, like a Irish banshee. And, uh, and it was just my neighbor burning some, uh, burning some, <laughs> some trees. I'm going like, dude, I thought your house was on fire. So with that much smoke, you know, Hey, were, were you a religious person beforehand and, or spiritual? And did this make you more spiritual? Well, that's a great question because that was one of the first questions I was asked when I was interviewed for a magazine. Um, and mm. so I've, I've always believed in a greater being, but I tell people what happened that day was a, turned out to be a tremendous reference for me for faith. But when yeah. you, you know, you're believing in the unbelievable, unseen, and I said, this for me, when things get tough and it's been tough, I mean, you know, I've had some challenges and you've had some challenges. We all know we have them. But yeah. knowing that, that if you have faith and knowing that you can use this as a reference, if I survive this, and thrive, I can do it again, and I can do it even better because I have faith. So I think, um, yes, I've, I've always believed, but it's a strong reference for faith for me. Well, but even if you can't survive, there's something to believe in, right? And it, it puts you at peace. It puts you at calm. And I think that's an important thing for people right now. Um, you know, I had somebody today who um, going through difficult financial issues with everything going on. I mean, come on, I'm, I'm, I get it. And so, I think it's a, it's it's up to us. You're you're what I would call business first responder. You are a first responder. You're a per, you're a human first responder. You clearly show that. I think there are times when when we have to when we're at a different place in our lives or a better place than someone else put a hand not out but hand up. You know, and you would go. We, if you want to call it a handout, I don't care. I'm not trying to 
demean anyone, but you got to reach across the aisle. You got to reach across the street. You got to reach in a different way and say, Hey, brother, sister, how can I help you? And I had that today with someone who's not doing well, um, business wise told me that. And, and he was, he's, he's down, he's depressed because of it, because our identities are tied up in that. Right. Right. And I just said, no, you come on board. He goes, well, I can't afford to pay. I said, I don't forget that. First, you're my friend. Let's get you back and uh, back and healthy. Get your mind going, you know, get your mindset, get yourself engaged, get your butt off that couch, feeling sorry for yourself. And let's get back in the game. And I think we have a responsibility to do that. Don't we, Dave? I, I agree. I think that's that's part of the calling. And whether you believe it in a Christian or a religious or spiritual format, it, it's a calling because one of the six primary needs we all have is the need to contribute and give back. And I believe, I mean, I did the same thing yesterday. I had a young lady from up in Toronto who's having a very difficult time. And Toronto's locked down and she's having some issues. And I had, I was just talking to her for an hour and a half just to bring her and say, you know what? You have people around you that will help you. And it's all about, as you know, because you're, you're, you're a master at this, is being resourceful. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, start to be resourceful. And so people like you and I who have learned that trade, that skill set, I think we're obliged and should be giving that skill set to other people, help them be resourceful. So they can lift other people up when they have difficult times. Yeah. And sometimes it's just that reaching out, you know, right now we're seeing some of the most horrific racism and, you know, being played out before our eyes. And it's very blatant, quite frankly. And, and we're learning to deal with it. And, and I think it's important for all of us, especially white males, white executives uh, to do that. I mean, what piece of advice do you have right now for people going through that kind of, I, it's it's it, to me it's a it's a it's a realization and a transformation that's got to occur. And the first part is realization. So, what what piece of advice do you have for people right now? I appreciate you asking because I wrote a blog about this last week because I I felt it. I, I felt mm-hmm. and and the, the solution or sort of blueprint I laid out is, you know, one of the things my dad taught me is to live up to your word. And that was one thing he was adamant about with his kids. So I talked about this it. called the vow. It's like we've taken vows our whole life. And one of the vows, I don't know if you've taken, but I've taken is I've, I've been baptized. And the vows you oh, take yeah. when you're baptized is. When I, was four, when I was 14, by the way. Yeah, and I, and I was actually 11 years old. So I had to mm-hmm. answer the questions for myself, which was great. My parents did that. But if you look at the baptismal vows, right, there's no difference between the races. We're all, in God's eyes, one, one person. And we acknowledge there is oppression and people in that. And we, we commit in those vows that we, we will fight those things. If you look at your baptismal yeah. vows. And I said, if we just go back to that basic thing, go back to what we vowed to and just live up to the vows, this whole thing could be cleaned up very quickly because we, we've already vowed that we're not going to put up with it. We're going we're to stand for something. And there's right. so many people now, as you know, are not living up to their vows. And this is what what's causing a lot of these, these issues. Yeah. And I, I think when, and listen, folks, I don't care whether you're religious or not, that's your own beliefs. You know, that's, that's one of the cool things about this country. You can believe in what, whatever you want or not believe it doesn't make a difference. But what, what I think Dave's talking about is really values. What are those values that you have and, you know, and the, you know, believing in, in humans and human values and the, the respect of other humans is this should be the first one. It's the first one. My dad taught me, my mother taught me. And that's respect. And that's a big one right there. Just respect right. of other people. I don't care what your color is, how old you are, whether you're rich or you're poor, man. Uh, there's a lot that goes into that. And I think, you know, and I've been both, both rich and poor. I like to be rich. Rich is much better. 
Okay, but their mantas have been poor. Yeah, but I'm not going to treat anyone differently because of what they are. I'm going to treat them like a human being. So, hey, you've studied a lot of people to gain more insight into their leadership styles. Who has impressed you the most, and what type of you know what type of leader are they? Well, that, boy, I tell you, that's I love that question because one of the things that I learned from my mentor, name is Bill, was to develop my own virtual roundtable of those kinds of people of people who yeah. are leaders in certain different areas. And you know, I've been really studying a lot about leaders in the last several years. And I'll tell you, the more I, I learn and about like Abraham Lincoln and the values that he had and the way he went about it and the sense of humor and the focus he had, I, I really honor the way his leadership style was. He, went, he was going through a major challenge like we are right now. He had to keep his mindset. He did. He had to keep the people together. I mean, all these things he did, Back in the 1860s, 1861, 1865 is what we're going through right now. It's yeah. just a bigger scale. So I would say right now, Abraham Lincoln is somebody I study constantly because I love the insights. And I do believe, Jeffrey, I don't know if you believe it, but history repeats itself. Oh, yeah. Well, right now, I mean, today we're taping this on, on Juneteenth. We're taping yep. this on Juneteenth. And uh, this morning I got up and uh, you know what I read? The Emancipation Proclamation. I thought, well, that's something for me. And then today I posted a video uh, from one of our, our thought council members, Greg Williams, and it's a pretty powerful video. He calls out the police. He calls out a lot of people and I'm already catching crap about it, but I don't care. All right. I don't want to catch any crap from my, my advertisers. Let me take another quick break and we'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back and we're live and we're talking about values. We're talking about moments matter right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel and C-Suite Radio. Thanks so much for listening. I'm talking to Dave Sanderson, president of Dave Sanderson Speaks International. Hey, he was the last civilian off the plane of the U.S. Airways flight that landed in the Hudson. You've seen the movie. You might even read about it. You certainly saw it on TV. And he's here with me right now. And of course, he's so much more than that. He's accomplished uh, software executive and uh, a real leader and, and a best-selling book he's got out called Moments Matter. He's, we just told me a few minutes ago working on another book, uh, which I think is good too. Uh, and it's, I can't wait to see that. Let me ask you, Dave, how do we reframe uh, the meaning the meaning things that disempower us. Does, does that require a huge shift in our mental mindset or more of a practice makes perfect approach, you know, to make, really make the disempower us from other things. Do we have to like make a whole total mountain shift or we got to make incremental things? I, I believe you make incremental things. You can make the one big move, but I really think it comes in incremental of re, reframe the meanings of the things you're doing. You can do it incrementally. So you can actually sort of see the progression and, you know, one thing I've learned is change is inevitable, but progress is not. Yeah. So I think it's all about making progress. So when people come to me and I talk to them about the, how they can reframe meanings, I, you know, if they want a big bang, we can do it. But I'm really both focused on these little progressions to get you to the bigger win. So I would say it's incremental. Yeah, I mean, like, like you, you know, your whole book is moments matter. I mean, it's right. one moment at a time. It's not like few, it's not weeks at a time, months right. at a time. You just got to start one moment at a time. Just one moment. Yeah, right. like teaching your kids, sit still, one moment. Not for an hour. <laughs> what? Sit still for one minute, right? Right. Incremental That's cool. Like right. That. It's all about moments. That's right. Hey, what, what is the best leadership list lesson you've ever learned? And how did you apply it to your own daily life? Boy, great question. So wh when I learned this was back in 1999, and I had the opportunity to escort a gentleman named General Norman Schwarzkopf. 
And Whoa. I don't know if you've ever been around a four-star general, and I'd never been around a general yeah. before. Uh, very intimidating. Very intimidating. Yeah. But yeah. I, I asked him a question. He sort of looked at me. He's like, you know, just ask him you really want to know, right? He's like, well, I just want to ask you. So I asked him a question, and the question I asked him was this. How did you win the war in Iraq so quickly? He sort of looked at me. He said, no one's ever asked. I said, he said, I'll tell you how I won it. Every day I'd go into the theater and people would come to me with their problems. Women would have to cover their heads. Women couldn't drive tanks. They had to pray five times a day. And I kept reminding my troops of this. How does this contribute to kicking Saddam out of Kuwait? So every day I just focus people on the mission. I had to keep going. They said, that's how we got it done so quickly. And I, I, re I remember that to this day, how he said it. So I think to me, every the one thing I implemented is I have to keep focused on the mission every day. Whatever the mission is, yeah. we're going to focus on that. If I deviate, it's when I get in trouble. Yeah. So as long I think that's one of the greatest leadership lessons I've ever learned from a four-star general who's in the battle. I love that. You know, every day our team starts off with, uh, hey, what are the three to five things we got to do that relate to the three to five things we got to do overall, right? That's the yeah. name of the game. Hey, right. that's lessons learned right here. Dave Sanderson, Dave Sanderson speaks international. Don't forget, he does speak, man. He, he not just does a podcast. He speaks, and it's it's impactful. It's mindful. I'm telling you, you want to you hire this guy as well. Get his book, Moments Matter. You want to read something great this weekend? You want to make an impact? Hey, you want to buy a gift for your uh, Father's Day? That's a good one right there. Moments matter. Listen, I bawled like a baby when I read it, and I bawled like a baby every time I watch that movie, Sully, too. So same thing. I'm sure you do the same thing, Dave. Hey, thank Dave. Thanks so much for being on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thank you very much for having me. God bless everybody. At the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. And, of course, coming up, I've got Daryl Amy joining me. He is an author of a best-selling book, and you will not want to miss this. I'm telling you, it's all about driving growth. Now, let's talk about Dave. What did I learn? i tell you what. Every once in a while, in fact, it'd be good for you to do this every day. You wake up with the mindset of, what am I grateful for? Because without question, Dave's taught us moments matter. One or two moments made a difference, certainly in his life. I'm sure they make a difference in our lives. So think about those things we need to do moment by moment. What Take a moment, just a moment or two moments, and think through the things that you're grateful for. That's what I learned right here on uh, All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. And I am grateful for you. I'm grateful for all the people that come and listen every day and write to me every day and um, reach out to me on social media every day. I can't believe it. I'm blessed. And I thank you very much for that. Sales and marketing always seem to be at odds with one another and often operate in silos when they should be working together. I like to refer to it as two in the box. You'll hear me talk about that in the show. How can we get those essential cogs of that great big engine aligned and turned into a well-oiled machine? Well, my next guest knows how to get that done. And then some, Daryl Amy is the founder of Revenue Growth Engine and the author of a book that came out just last week, a big, huge bestseller. Daryl, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Jeffrey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me in today. What a week. Yeah, good for you. How's the book launch? It was fantastic. And um, I'm just proud to say that on launch day, we hit international bestseller status in multiple categories in the United States and my home country of Canada. And it was just unbelievably amazing. But I think right now, I think that shows that 
you know, we've been talking a lot at the C-suite network about driving and thriving. And this, this right now is the time where, where we've got to drive and thrive and people are hungry for a plan to do that. So it's just been a rush this week. Yeah. uh, You know what? But at the same time, Hey, let me just say congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. But now let's you. get that out of the order. Get get that out because let's now we're work. done. Yeah, <laughs> let's exactly. get to work. That, right. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the that's the essence of it as well. We all know, hey, great. You know, like I had a salesperson call me a few minutes ago, just knocked out a big sale. She was very, very, very happy. I said, Thank you. Now what? Right. <laughs> and she goes, Why can't we why can't we celebrate? I said, We just did. Now it's time for us to to get off our butts and keep moving because that's what that's we right. do. Yeah. That's right. And, and so you talk about, you know, a revenue growth engine or a revenue, revenue engine growth, either way. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of a difference in nuance in that. How'd you come up with that? You know, it was interesting. I was speaking last May at a conference and there was marketing people in the room. There were sales leaders in the room and there were company owners. The marketing people were salivating and drilling over the latest marketing gadget that we were there to talk about. Um, the salespeople were or the sales leaders were skeptical, right? They were like, oh, right. come on, you know, these leads are garbage, yeah, all that thing. stuff, right? And the business owners, what I remember is the business owners were at the back of the room, arms folded, drinking their coffee going, what, you know, why can't this work? And what I realized was over the last 17 years of working with organizations in sales and marketing have had a foot in both worlds is that most companies are like an engine that's not firing on all cylinders. They look and go, this isn't working. Well, the reason it's not working isn't that what you're doing is wrong. It's that there's massive other pieces that aren't in place and you haven't thought about yet. You know, any good engine has multiple cylinders. And so that was the, that was the genesis of the revenue growth engine model saying, well, what are all the pieces that need to be in place for a, a growth engine to fire for marketing and sales to be able to work towards the ultimate goal, which is driving revenue growth. Yeah. And I've always looked at sales and marketing and I've run groups where I've run both. I've run mm-hmm. one or the other. I've done mm-hmm. them all like that, but I look at them as two in the box. You, you know, even back when I, my days yeah. at Kodak, I, I went to the head of sales worldwide. His name was Gustavo. I said, Gustavo, move up to my floor. And he goes, what do you mean? Because at that time, the CMO was, uh, you know, a a C-level position. The chief sales officer still wasn't at that Mm -hmm. level uh, on the executive team, on the leadership team, but not the executive team. And I said, no, no, I want want to show that we're one and the same. And I Mm -hmm. want your key staff people to sit in on my staff meetings and mine to sit on yours so that no one can point fingers and we can go get this thing solved. And we did that. And it was a big breakthrough for the company. Mm-hmm. I think so. You know, it was interesting. If you look in 2018, about 18, 19% of Fortune 500 companies had a chief revenue officer on board. In 2019, that number grew to 35%. And I think there's a realization that that stat alone just shows that there's a realization in companies, big and small, that putting, you know, having two silos, sales does their thing, marketing does their their thing, just flat out doesn't work well in today's marketplace. And so a huge part of the revenue growth engine and the subtitle for the book is how to align sales and marketing to accelerate growth is just that, you know, it can't be, we can't have a world where sales is doing this, 
marketing is doing this. I was right. talking to a, a commercial banker who leads a, a sales team for a bank in LA and we were talking about this and he was, he just started laughing. He said, Daryl, I went to meet with a client, huge client last week and he pulls something out that my marketing team had sent him and I'd never even seen it before. And uh, we, you know, we go, Oh my goodness, you can laugh about that, but this happens well, that's, all the time. That's, it does happen all the time. And I, I, it's like, no, you're, you know, <laughs> what most people mark. No, I mean, marketing's there to serve sales. Sales is there to serve marketing. Both. It's, it's a, it's a mutually beneficial kind of activity. Why do you think companies struggle to grow revenue? I think it's because what you were just talking about there, you've got your marketing team focused on marketing sales teams focused on focused on sales. What they actually need to be doing is they need to be focused on revenue growth. And in particular in the book, I say that's around ideal clients. Um, you know, I firmly believe yeah, that not all, correct. not all clients are created equal. And so yeah. if we get marketing and sales aimed at, I was just on a call with a, a great technology company in North Carolina and they're looking, how are we going to pivot? What are we going to do? How are we, you know, I said, keep your eye on that ideal client because that ideal client will always be your true North. Get your marketing team focused on the outcomes they want. Get your sales team talking about that, build processes towards that. And you'll see revenue growth. But when, when you've got, you know, it's like when you drive, you've driven a car that's out of alignment, right? You're driving down oh, the yeah. road, one wheel's pulling to the left, one's pulling to the right. And, you know, if you can get everything, when you bring that car into alignment, they, they actually put it up on the rack and they have an alignment machine. And off in the distance, they have a point that they're pointing at. And that, that point for businesses right now, where it's so hard to find true north, I believe is your ideal client your ideal client profile is what we need to be focused on. And business is going to change. What you sell is going to change how you sell it. Um, the outcomes are, but that ideal client is going to remain true North. And I think right now as as we're all trying to drive and thrive towards the future, we got to, you know, if the boats rocking all over the place, we got to keep our focus on that ideal client. And I think that'll help us get to where we need to go. Keeping my ideal on the advertisers, what I need to think about right now. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. <laughs> C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back and live right here, live casting on Facebook and LinkedIn. And it is a pleasure. I've got Daryl Amy, the founder of Revenue Growth Engine, a number one international bestseller across a number of categories just this week. And fantastic to have him. He's one of our thought leaders. Now, what's a thought leader? He's he is a member of our Thought Council. It's the most elite group of advisors to the C-suite. And he's one of less than 100 in that category. And of course, uh, that what makes him a great, great bestseller. And of course, driving this revenue growth engine. Hey, we were talking about alignment. So how do mm -hmm. sales and marketing teams get aligned? Well, so it align, you begin with the ideal prospect, like what do we want to do? It, it also includes setting goals together. And I think, you know, right now we've been driving a lot of conversations around goal setting. How do you set goals in today's marketplace? You know, some companies have- It's tough. It's, it's tough. tough. Yeah. I mean, because we're, we're not, we're not together. The communication's a little harder, although it's been made easier with a lot of these video calls and so forth, but it's not, it, it's not like they're right down the, they're right down the hall. 
Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, logistics aside and, and all of the fun of working from home, buying from home, all of that stuff, you know, when you think about goal setting, most companies have used one of two methods. You know, unfortunately, I'm shocked by the number of companies that use the spaghetti on the wall method, which is not good. Right. Like, what are we going to do? You know, other companies and this is more common for conservative companies is they use the ruler method. Like, what do we do last year, the year before that? we've been able to grow 10%. Okay, we'll set a goal based on that. Problem is the ruler method is not your friend right now because the ruler is pointing in the wrong direction. We've had a really, you know, for most organizations, really tough. So how do you set goals? I think the way you set goals is you determine the value of an ideal client. And then you look at two things. And these are the two drivers of revenue growth. How many customers do we have? And what's our revenue per clients? How many clients do we have? And what's our revenue per client? And what I noticed, and this is what um, we talk about in the beginning of the book and what really got me set off on this journey was if you show modest growth in number of clients and you simultaneously show modest growth in revenue per client, let's say 15% game set match, match, you double revenue in two to three years. It's insane. And so, but most companies are good at one or the other. So if you can set your goals based on those two things, like after COVID, the, the dust is settled. How many clients do we have? What's our revenue per client? That's our baseline. And then set a goal in each one of those areas. Then take the spreadsheet and add it up. And you'll be really amazed at how fast you can accelerate. You just gave everybody the magic formula. And then the, there was a piece that with the beforehand. And if you match that against the perfect client, mm-hmm. the perfect customer, because listen, folks, listen in. Some customers are a pain in the ass. You don't want them. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm just black. They're, they're just, they're terrible for you. You know, I, I said this years ago when I was doing how to rip the head off your competition, a program, uh, I used to own a printing business and no matter mm-hmm. what happened, I would have customers from hell. It didn't make a difference. They would come into the print shop. The whites weren't white enough. The blacks weren't black enough. The stripes weren't stripey enough. It didn't make a difference what we did. All right. Yeah. And no matter how many times we proofread it, whatever, you know, they pick it up and it was wrong. And it just, and it, finally, I just had to take those customers and go take them to a competitor, get rid of them because that value per client wasn't there. Right. That's right. Uh, it, it, and it, by the way, if I wouldn't got 20 more of them, I just have 20 more times hell. <laughs> and I love that. If you can match that and overlay that against the perfect client and just incrementally increase your clients. And then the revenue from those clients, boom, bingo, there's the book. Read the book right now. There it is. Well, thank you. And here's what I want to challenge all the listeners to do. And this is a really simple exercise after this show's over. Think of your favorite client, um, your, you know, okay. your favorite that you enjoy working with. They like working with you, value what you do, pay for it, give references. I have a whole bunch of those. Yeah, well, that's awesome. good. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think most companies do, but the 80-20 yeah. rule is in full effect here, right? So right. Um, take, take that perfect client and then say, in the next 10 years, and I want you to go out 10 years, a whole decade, and say, if that client bought everything that I offer, if that client bought everything that we sold, how much revenue would that accumulate. And first of all, that's going to be a fun exercise because it's very encouraging. Second of all, the next step in that exercise is think of your bread and butter client, that up and down the street client, the one you just can't bear to part with. And then add up if you were lucky enough that they stick around for 10 years and most of them aren't loyal and they won't. But if they did stick around for 10 years, what would they buy from you? And then look at the total on those two columns. I've done this over and over again with teams in multiple industries. I, I can tell you this, Ideal clients are usually 20 to 30 X 
the impact of mm. an average client. And so if you want to accelerate revenue growth, you need to look at systems and strategies that are going to attract, retain, maximize ideal clients, period. Yeah. And I got to think that that also means you might have to look at the margins differently too, right? You know, it's interesting. Yes. A lot of these ideal clients, um, you know, if they value what you do, if you're a true good fit, as opposed to the, you know, you talk about that printing business where they're going, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to the next guy down the road. If you don't knock, you know, a penny off each page, the ideal clients usually end up being more profitable. And when I say ideal client, Jeffrey, I'm not always you know, a lot of times people think of the whale, right? They think of, I got to land this fortune 500 account. No, I'm talking about the good fit client. Yeah. And yeah. Ease of use, customer satisfied. It Mm -hmm. works well. It's not, you know, we're not having to do a fire drill every time they come in. All right. Speaking of quick fire drill, I need to take a break. I'll be right back right after this message. C-suite radio. Hey, thanks everybody for coming back and being a part of this. Uh, We're live right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as we're doing a live cast of All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on C-Suite Radio. Of course, you know, C-Suite Radio, world's largest business podcast network, got told today, again, my listenership's way up over 40% as uh, all of across C-Suite Radio, we're seeing this on every single show, record, record every month. It's been a record for us. Um, since January. And it's just been fabulous. And even during COVID, it's amazing. Hey, what are you passionate about helping businesses grow? What's the, you know, if you, like, I can only tell you one thing, what would that be? I want to help businesses grow so they can give. So Jeffrey, I've been on nonprofit boards for several decades. I helped start uh, several nonprofits and I've noticed two things. First of all, I've noticed that the COVID crisis is brutal on nonprofits right now. Um, The second thing I've noticed is the people that move the needle the most when it comes to being able to help a nonprofit succeed are forward thinking, community minded, generous business professionals. So my goal when I wrote the book, I I had a, uh, you know, I was on one of my quarterly retreats and I was thinking, how am I, what am I going to do to make an impact? And so my big, hairy, audacious goal when we set, uh, set this book up was to help 10,000 great businesses double revenue so that we can affect $10 billion a year in net new nonprofit giving. And, and I believe that businesses, and we, we, I mean, we've been saying this at the C-Suite Network, we've been talking about it on C-Suite radio stations, the, the businesses right now, we're going to drive and thrive. We're going to pull this economy out of the ditch. But at the same time, the forward-thinking businesses that give back to the community are also going to pull the nonprofits forward. Oh, yeah. and, and we need it right now. Our, our society yeah. needs the work. And so, I, you know, revenue growth is great, but the why behind all of it is I want to help great businesses grow so they can give back and also create meaningful jobs. Well, one, make sure I'm in that list of 10,000. That's one. Okay. <laughs> so just make, save a spot for you me. Definitely you definitely are. Save, save one for me, but you just described hero businesses, hero culture, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, cause we see this all the time, Daryl, we, you and I, you and I see this everywhere we go, you know, these great businesses that are very active in their communities who are making a difference, not because they're looking to be famous or anything else, because mm-hmm. they're just good people and they got great values, which is great. That's right. Hey, 
um, with with just a minute or so left, talk about the buyer experience and the client experience. That, that's a big thing in your book. And I love that section of the book. I think I even wrote your review around that section because I loved it. So what are these and why are they so important? Wow. Um, so right before the COVID crisis, I was speaking at a conference in Orlando at Sales 3.0. And that's where I, I we met, there. actually. Yeah, that's where sales we met. Sales 2.0, 3.0, whatever point oh. And uh, yeah. so that night after we met, and I became a C-suite advisor that day, actually, um, I had dinner and the guy crossed the table. I said, what do you do? He goes, I work for the Disney Institute. So I'm like, now you have my attention. I, and one of the questions I always ask people is, what are you reading? So I'm reading the experience economy and in the experience economy, Mm -hmm. which was released 20 years ago, James Pine and Joseph Gilmore said, welcome to the experience economy products, no differentiation services, not so much anymore. Where's the game experience. So in the book, we challenge people to map out their buyer experience and their client experience and build a plan to improve that. Cause that's where I think you get competitive advantage. Game on. I couldn't agree more. And we're talking with Daryl. Amy, he's the founder of Revenue Growth Engine. He's got a brand new book, a bestseller out, international bestseller. I encourage you to get it. Read about this. Find out about it. It'll make a difference in what you're doing. And he just gave you an important piece of advice about mapping out that buyer experience, client experience. Hey, Daryl, thanks so much for being a part of the C-Suite Network. And thanks for joining us right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thank you, Jeffrey. The end of every show, like to talk about what I learned. I'll tell you what, it was uh, two things that came out. One was the value, you know, your client's revenue experience, your your customer revenue experience. You know, I thought that was a good thing to be able to cover. I thought that was really positive. Then in addition, alignment, alignment. Listen, if your back was out of alignment, you had a kink in your back. It was painful. Don't you think the same thing is in your organization if you don't have alignment between two groups? Yeah, that I, I know when I see this as a CEO, I don't say two people aren't aligned or, or two teams aren't aligned. I get them on the phone. We fix it right then. Right. That's it. We're going to deal with it. You know, not going to have this over here and this over here. That's painful. All right. So get yourself, go get yourself a business chiropractor. How's that? Okay. And get alignment. That's what I learned right here in all business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Don't forget, tune in uh, to another show and don't, And don't forget, we've got hundreds of other shows on C-Suite Radio. I hope you get a chance to listen to one of those, too, because they're great. And you're great for listening in. I appreciate it. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.